touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the A Slut Podcast that of course stands for advice, sex, love, understanding and trust. We talk about all things sexual, relationship-wise, polyamorous, alternative lifestyles, swinging, kink, all sorts of that fun stuff. And if you ever want to get in touch with the show, you can do so by DMing into the Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all at the A-Slot Podcast. You're always welcome to do that. You can always email the show at the A-Slot Podcast at gmail.com. I always love hearing from you guys, so let's get into it. Soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love. So I have another guest this week, people. And I'm really, really excited to have spoken to them. It was a really, really cool discussion with somebody that I've only really just met um, in the in the Twitterverse and the Twitter world. Um, the the really truly amazing cat star. Um, she's really quite knowledgeable about a a number of things, and she is an author. Her audio book of her book has just come out. Um, she is the author of Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut. It is really, really cool. I've started listening to it now on Audible. I'll put all the links and all of that sort of stuff in the description. But we talked to her today again about the online relationships. We're continuing on this theme. There's probably going to be one more episode about this, I think, and then we'll we'll give it a rest and, and talk about something different. But... Um, yeah, really, really cool chat with with Kat and how her online relationships worked and how and how each of them differed and and things like that and why it appealed to to her to get into these sort of I guess for lack of a better term situations. Um, really, really cool, really, really neat, and really, really fun as well. Um, what's happening in my world? Um, well, guess what, sluts. I, at this point, maybe, it's not completely confirmed yet, but it's very, very close. I may be going on tour and taking the podcast with me. I'm planning on doing the western side of the United States, LA, San Diego, going through Arizona, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and then heading up towards uh, Salt Lake and Seattle, doing that sort of area, and then um, back into Vegas and then LA from there. Uh, really looking forward to that, to doing that. If if you're in those areas and you wanna and you wanna have a chat and you wanna you know interact with us on the podcast or anything like that, even just in a short little thing, um, get in touch with me, guys. Uh, I've said it before, uh, not long ago, but email through at the podcast at gmail.com. Um, get a hold of us at um, at the Airslot Podcast. On both Facebook, Instagram, or all Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
get a hold of me. I'd love to meet you guys and, and talk to you guys in person as well. Uh, there is a possibility that I'll be doing a few seminars while I'm while I'm on my travels as well. So that'll be really really cool and really really exciting for me as well. Because um, that's what I that's what I got into this game for. Um, for those of you who haven't been listening the whole time, I got into this to be able to talk to people and to educate and to do all of that sort of thing. So to be able to finally perhaps get on and and do some of that will be really really exciting and really really fun and and even challenging for me. So really, really looking forward to that. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully it all goes ahead. It looks like it is at this point. I've just got to wait on work to to give me the leave and, and then to be able to save up all the money that I can um, to go and do the things I want to do, people. Uh, it's going to be yeah, a whole heap of fun. I'll put the list of cities up and whatnot uh, as I get closer to the time and some of the dates that I'll be talking and and whatnot at, uh, which will be really really cool, and I hope uh, see some of you, some of you guys uh, there as well. But enough of me babbling on. I think at this point, let's get into today's guest. Uh, today's guest, Cat Star. Please enjoy. Cause I'll doze off safe and soundly But I'll miss your arms around me I'd send a postcard to you dear Cause I Cool, so welcome to the podcast, Cat Stark How are we? How are you doing? I'm doing really great, thanks Cool, I want to, I want to thank you so oh. much Just before we jump into everything I want to thank you so much for being on You're a day behind thanks. us, almost a full 24 hours yeah, uh, it's it's New Year's Eve here. It's twenty past ten in the morning. Uh, it's twenty past one there in the afternoon, the day before New Year's Eve. So it it kind of worked together. It didn't, but hey, we're here now. So thank you very much for for coming on this week. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Cool. So there, there, there's a fair few people. Um, I have listeners all over the place, New Zealand, Australia. The American ones may know, may not. Tell us a wee bit about you. Sure. Um, as you said, my name is Kat Stark. Uh, I am a writer. I released last year uh, a memoir about my non-monogamous experience called Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut. And uh, the audiobook of that is coming out very soon, as soon as Audible approves my files. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I am also a blogger and a podcaster. Um, my partner Flick and I have a podcast called On the Wet Coast. And uh, yeah, we've been running that for a few years. And huh, trying to think of anything else I should use to describe myself. <laughs> um, the As the title of the book suggests, I, I do deal with mental illness. Anxiety is a big part of my experience. Mm -hmm. And over the past couple of years, I've dealt with a certain amount of, of depression. And I, I write about that a lot because it it really impacts my experiences, both with my sexuality and in all of my relationships. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, it would do too. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read out your your sort of Twitter little bio thing to to help you along. Um, sure. Obviously, you noted on the author part and the book, which fantastic title: "The Wet Coast Confessions <laughs> of an Actress." I love that so so much. Um, so you're non-monogamous. 
So, okay, I'll, I'll read it all out at once, shall I? Non-monogamous, sure. geeky, Canadian, feminist, queer, pervert, podcaster, audiobook narrator. Yes. And all those go, things. And you go by she and them, which is awesome. So, th- 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 that's a lot of uh, descriptive words there. Yes. <laughs> A lot of yeah. descriptive words. So, um, did it take you a while to even just come up with that to explain yourself or describe yourself? For sure. Yourself? I I had a really hard time actually paring it down to mm-hmm. so few words. I think at one point, um, before I had my book title in there, it was a whole lot longer of just like single descriptors. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, definitely, you know, non-monogamous. Um, I've actually been married for 22 years I think Um, and uh, that to my partner Flick yet he and I about four years ago um, decided to become non-monogamous in our marriage and uh, yeah that has been working really well we I'd say we'd probably call ourselves polyamorous for the most part now Um, I I often just say open or non-monogamous because Um, I, sometimes the polyamory scene can be a bit, um, restrictive in what they think polyamory should be. Yeah, sure. And, um, so I find that I'm not always identifying with that because as, as I said, I am a slut and I do like having casual sex and I'm definitely not one of these people that it's like, no, it's all about the love it's all about the relationships that way because yeah i like having sex with people and i don't have to know them especially well or love them to do yeah, that for sure see that see that i find that quite interesting because i consider myself polyamorous but i'm in the same boat where i don't need to have that emotional connection with people to to go and sleep with them go and have sexual activity and go and do whatever i like with that but mm-hmm. i still I, I guess it's because the scene here and the scene in in Canada on the west coast where you are is mm-hmm. is a little bit different in that way, I guess. Yeah, and I I think it depends where you are and which circles you run in. I'll, you know, a lot of the people I've encountered through um, through going to events, especially with the Life on the Swing Set crew, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people seem to you know share my sort of methodology as far as all this goes you know um we sometimes swing and we you know we sometimes go to orgies and and all this kind of thing so it really it just kind of depends what's going on yet um have both had and have like really strong emotional love connections with some people and that's awesome too like it's it's nice getting to to have the variety yeah, it doesn't have to be the same every single time, does it? It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing, or it can be something that we, where you're dating someone for a few months, and there's yeah. no real restrictions on it. And I think that's what I love about the lifestyle in general. Like, most people let you do you, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that makes it a lot more fun and a lot less stressful and a lot less drama, I guess. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, we're going to talk about poly quite a bit as we go through this, but you're on here today because I'm in the middle of of a multi-part series around online and long-distance relationships, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not currently in one of those, either of those. 
but you have uh, been in the past, right? Yeah, I we we split up um, from the romantic part of our relationship um, sort of in the summer, okay. but um, had been it had been about three years that that we were involved long distance. Oh wow! And um, have continued uh, you know a friendship, but uh, decided that it just wasn't really working. Uh, the other part of our relationship. So, um, and I had previously been in another long distance relationship that lasted about a year, I think. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot I really like about the long distance and there's a lot that kind of works better for me Mm -hmm. in the long distance because like, because I am so anxious and such an introvert, Mm -hmm. I, I find that people who have big expectations of me as far as my time and like per like in person mm-hmm. um hanging out can be really difficult for me mm. and so the long distance thing has worked out really well because we can we can chat like all the time mm. and yet it we we aren't seeing each other all the time. There's no expectation of a weekly date or, you know, multiple dates a week or that kind of thing where, you know, it's definitely hard to not get to see someone very often. And um, the people that I was dating, like were ways away. One was Chicago, one was in um, like San Francisco kind of area. So, you know, that those are both a long way from Vancouver, but it, it, it just seemed to work really well as far as just my personality and how my needs are. Yeah. And and this is something that, I, that I've stumbled across quite a bit because I've done a fair amount of research into, into all of this sort of stuff now. And and I talked about it with somebody else as well while, we, while I was going through all of it. The anxiety side of it, I think, is, is a big part of people moving towards the online and long-distance sort of relationships nowadays. Because there mm-hmm. is there is that that well, there is less pressure on you to have to go out and meet somebody at a bar or anything like that. There's less pressure to have to go and talk to somebody brand new or have a big crowd around you or so many of these things. And mm-hmm. whether and I I believe I haven't found any correlating re, uh, correlating results and research into this, but I believe it can actually help anxious people to move uh, to help with their anxiety and end up moving out of that, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. I think it gives you the opportunity to have successes, Mm -hmm. which helps you take the next step and take more risks. Yeah. And, and I I think that that can only really be a good thing. Um, if it's helping somebody with their, with the mental side of who they are and, and that side, then why not let people do it, right? For sure. And, you know, it, it can, like, it maybe won't help someone be, like, more social in wanting to go to a munch or, uh, like, a meetup kind of thing. But if they're having relationships and feeling connected and, like, getting their needs met, like, yeah, like, who would complain about that? Exactly. But there's always going to be the, the detractors of it all, isn't there? The people that will sit there and go, why don't you just get out and meet somebody and, you know, have that physical side of things and all of that sort of stuff. And you just sort of look at those people. Well, I look at those people and go, how about just let people be them? Not, mm-hmm. not sit there and try and pull them back. Because by, by pulling them back and saying, why don't you just go out and meet somebody or, or whatever it might be, um, you're actually making it more difficult for them to go and do that, I feel. 
Yeah, and it's always people who are extroverted and really comfortable in social situations that say this kind of thing. Hmm. You know, it's like, oh, it's not hard. Just go talk to someone. Well, yeah, that's great for you to say because that's the way your brain works. Hmm. Um, And it's not that I don't, you know, go on dates and and do that kind of thing. But we're going to meet online first, um, you know, through some sort of dating app. We're going to like establish a connection that way and then go meet in person because if I can't talk to you comfortably online if we haven't got any sort of flow going then you know it's probably not going to work yeah but by the same token of that though and again looking into the research in this um, once you meet that level of communication might not be there even then still so it could happen online and it's nice and natural online and then you meet up and and it just doesn't doesn't fit well and um, like I said, going through the research on this, I think part of that is because when you're talking online to someone, even like we are now, we're not able to see each other or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. We're only receiving about 7% of the communication that's been given by the other person. Yeah, um, that's very true. And the other 93% is the, the body language, the face, the, the responses, how the face is reacting to everything and all that sort of stuff. That's 93%. And the, the other 7% is either just... I think it's probably a bit more than seven percent for what we're doing because we've got talk and we've got tone there. But if it's just text, then you're actually receiving very little communication from the person. So that when you get to that point where you're finally meeting, it can all still be a little bit awkward. Yeah, yeah, that's fair because you you don't necessarily know someone from that kind of communication. You get a good sense of them, mm. but you know how often do you not actually know someone you've met like 25 times? Um, but, but yeah, I totally agree because there is a, there is a decent amount of guesswork that, that is going on based on, you know, just having text-based conversations because you are missing all those other pieces. So there is a lot of like clarification and asking for clarity because it's like, well, what exactly did you mean by that? And yeah, they're, has you know there definitely has been issues that came up in in my relationships because we were saying the same thing but didn't necessarily mean it or like from the same place Mm. and and that can be very confusing absolutely can and it can sort of throw things out of whack when you've gotten yourself into that zone where you're finally meeting this person everything's going to be awesome and you've created this sort of idealistic picture of how it's going to be and then it doesn't happen you just you can end up quite dejected from it I feel as well Mm -hmm, for sure and I did have an experience you know he was a local guy we met online and and we were chatting a bit and we just got on like a house on fire when we were chatting we were just like it's quick and witty and the banter it was phenomenal and then we met and it was like huh like it was just kind of awkward and we just didn't really have any chemistry mm. and like I, I really tried to to make it work because I thought no we've got this great connection but it turned out that we only had a connection at a distance yeah. and after getting together a couple times it's just like we just there's just nothing here yeah so I, I want to go back to the fact you, you were in a relationship, uh, in an online relationship, long distance, for three years, you said, right, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so through that, how did it evolve? From, how did it start, first of all, and then how did it evolve from there? 
Well, we met on Twitter, <laughs> um, of all the places. As you and, do. Yeah, as you do. Um, and we just started chatting and yeah, just kind of hit it off and it was a little bit flirty and, and it was really shortly after, uh, my partner Flick and I became non-monogamous. And so I just thought I would practice flirting because it wasn't something I had done in a long time. And I thought, well, here's, you know, this internet rando, like, you know, he's kind of charming. Like, why don't we, why don't I flirt with him? Mm -hmm. And it, like, we just really hit it off and it just built from there. We just found ourselves talking more and more and um, decided to go to the, there's an event that Life on the Swing Set holds in um uh, at a resort in mexico in oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. november uh the desire resort desire spa results, thing yeah. yeah and so we decided that we were going to go to that and um this was yeah three years ago or whatever and and this was an opportunity to meet this guy but it was about like nine months out from our first meet or our like online meet and so yeah, just as the year went on and we chatted more, we ended up deciding to uh, go to Chicago in the summer of that year to meet up with him and his partner uh, because we sort of thought, you know, before we buy plane tickets to Mexico, maybe we should find out if, if this chemistry yeah. works. Yeah. Um, because we, we figured we would meet some other cool people and the more I'd heard about the event, they all just sounded super geeky and really into a lot of the similar pop culture things that we were and there's a certain amount of kink going on and it just it all sounded so intriguing but we thought like I just need to know that there is something with this guy um so we met up with them and it was just on um so <laughs> it it you know we we just went from there and um yeah it there was a lot of it that worked really well for both of us just because we, you know, we actually were similar. And that was part of one of the things we bonded on is being similarly anxious people. And we just really understood how each other's brains worked. And we were able to support one another and really help help meet the other's needs in a way yeah, just yeah. because we got it. And that's, um, quite, that's kind of wonderful, though. I, I do find it interesting that you decided to meet up at something that is um, it's not actually a swingers resort but it's mainly used for that isn't it yeah yeah very much so and and the approach of all of that is very much the like the swinging kind of thing and yeah. we we tried a fair bit of swinging when we were first open because we were like i don't know let's like start out like let's have a threesome sure this is super fun uh, i don't know maybe we're swingers let's try swinging and so we did that a few times and just like it, we had a we had a great time but just found that 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 sort of connection wasn't necessarily like that trying to meet like another couple and just have all of us like mesh in the right way is, is a really tricky dynamic. And um, so, yeah, but definitely at the Desire Resort, there was a lot of that sort of quick, like meeting these people, but you would, you know, spend six hours talking in the hot tub, like several yeah. nights in a row. And so, you know, you felt you actually knew these people pretty well and, and you just spent so much of the day together that, you know, it's often like months of dating time crammed into a week. 
Absolutely yeah. it is, but it's so exciting. I've, I've always wanted to go, and this is a problem with me living in New Zealand, is that Mexico is, is oh, yeah. so far away. Uh-huh. Because it's, 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 it's real far from Vancouver. Yeah, and... I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's something like a it's a 16 hour flight or something, I think, to LA, and then to get down from there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a long, long trip for you. Yeah, my my, my I, I was in New York uh, last year, just over a year ago now, and I remember my flight then, and it's it's an absolute killer at the best of times. Yeah, yeah, I've done that trip from from here to Australia, and and yeah, that is that's a hell of a trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and my my flight back, I had two, I'll, I'll say nicely, larger people on either side of me, and I'm quite large myself, mm-hmm. and it, it, it was just uncomfortable. It was yeah. really just quite uncomfortable. I, I was sweating, and they were sweating, and it just ended up all slimy. And at that point, I decided I'm never flying economy again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a yeah, chance. Yeah. It's not fun. So um, just getting back to, to the relationship with the threes, what were some of the some of the issues that you found while you were going through this relationship? What were some of the, some of the barriers, I guess? Yeah, I, I think some of the barriers were definitely like only being able to see each other a few times a year. And so there was a lot of pressure in each of those times we managed to get together. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if I'd flown down to Chicago for a long weekend or something, you know, we only had four days and we, you know, we haven't seen each other for like four months or something. So it's like, okay, this has to be like real quality time. And we have to get like as much connection and as much physical time and as much like all these things. There was just so much pressure on, on being on in those moments. And sometimes you, you know, you just had a real shit week or, you know, you'd, you had a bug or, or, you're depressed or like just all sorts of things going on or you're having difficulty in one of your own other relationships um but you had to just try to be in that in that moment just because that was the only time you had and so that was definitely it put a lot of pressure on every time we did manage to get together yeah well, i could imagine what because there, there, there seems to be that expectation there that you need to go and do something right that you need to spend as much time you need to do all the fun sexy things you need to do go out and have your dates and all of that sort of stuff which is exhausting let's be honest it's yeah it's not always easy no for sure and we like neither of us you know have a crap ton of money and i think this kind of thing is a lot easier if you've got a lot of disposable income that you can you know whip back and forth every month or something like that as opposed to you know these are our trips you're really having to to scramble to make happen Mm -hmm. and so you realize like what you're sacrificing to get there as well and so it, it just keeps adding the pressure more and more and more um so yeah that was definitely quite challenging to to be able to, you know, A, get time together and B, have that time together be, like, satisfying and mm-hmm. also, like, yeah, you would end up leaving kind of exhausted and, and just sort of wrung out from from the intensity of it. Yeah, sure. Um, but with with being non-monogamous and, and having a partner that you're in a geographically close relationship, does that help out a little bit as part of that, do you think? Or does that make it more difficult? 
Yeah, I think I think it definitely helps because I get I really feel like I get my needs met as far as as the intimate cuddly um Just really the physical side of it. Yeah, the physical side and the that real emotional comfortable closeness yeah. like that that is quite effortless with Flick. And so yeah, being able to just come come home to ease or to just know that I've got that that part of my needs met really helped me to not feel like, okay, this other relationship has to fulfill like all of these needs for me. Yeah. And that, and that's why I feel it would be quite difficult for me personally, as someone who's also non-monogamous to just have a single relationship in that long distance sort of realm. Uh, that, that, that is just me personally. I have had long distance relations before and they've been absolutely fantastic, but I was always monogamous with those looking at it now I'm sitting there going could I actually just do it and having a single relationship that is long distance or, or online or however you want to put it yeah I think that would be much harder I I can't see doing that like I, re I really like a lot of time on my own mm -hmm. but I think that that having an only long distance relationship without being able to get those other needs met. And I, I think you can get a certain amount of that met with like with close friends and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And, and sometimes you even can have like cuddly friendships if, if that's, you know, works for everyone and stuff. So you can get a certain amount of that, but, Absolutely. but yeah, like it not being able to just sort of almost whenever I want, just like hold him tight and just be like, mm. okay, this is great. Um, yeah. Because I mean, let, let, let's let's face it. The, the one of the main detractors of online relationships from people who are conservative or you know people who aren't in them is where do you get that physical side from? You know, um, that that when you need to be hugged, you get hugged. When you need to get laid, you get laid, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And mm -hmm. and it, it let's it, it is one of the biggest sort of I don't want to say downfalls, but challenges is probably the way that I, that I would put it is if you're in that not even monogamous it's just a single relationship uh, that is online that how do you think that people get over that for lack of a better term can people get over that yeah i i think it's tricky and you i think every person and every relationship has to has to figure that out for themselves I think there's a certain amount of that that you that you can do, you know, with masturbation and with like if you do Skype calling or that kind of thing, like video chat type thing, FaceTime, whatever. Um, and that was something we did not do in um, my long distance relationship. I, I did it with one of with the person in San Francisco, but that wasn't a component of, of the relationship with the person in, in Chicago. So like we didn't even really have that face to face like voice kind of thing right. and um as you know two anxious people the phone is kind of our our worst enemy yeah, so yeah, sure. it just wasn't really something that we that we felt very comfortable doing but there were definitely times that 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 was hard and and we had a couple of crisis times where we did end up like talking um uh voice to voice because we just needed that in those moments mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah, it can it can definitely be pretty pretty tricky. But I mean, I also think of a lot of people in like monogamous relationships who 
aren't necessarily doing a lot of that physical closeness or sexual closeness yeah, so with you, the person you, that they live with. Yeah. Um, so I think that is even harder if you've got the person like with you yeah, and you sure. don't necessarily have that kind of connection. Uh, I think with with a long distance situation, you've got there's a lot more comfort with the idea of well, like self-pleasure and, and that kind of thing that sometimes people in monogamous relationships like like are super uncomfortable with like how dare you masturbate I'm supposed to be the one that fulfills that for you yeah, sure. uh, and so I think there's much more uh, you know versatility in that even if, if that long distance relationship was the only relationship you were in mm. um I, I, I do think it helps um, with the emergence of, you know, demisexuality and asexuality now. I think that online relationships could, even monogamous ones, could quite suit the people that identify as that as well because that, phys that physical part isn't a necessary thing. It's all about the connection mm -hmm. and the emotion with those people. So I think that's a really great thing to look at as well. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, like I said, the detractors are there for the whole physicality side of it, but if you don't need that, then and the emotional side is, is the biggest part for you, then it's kind of ideal. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Um, I think it's interesting that those sorts of sexualities have only come up in recent times as well. Um, yeah. Considering they've always been around, there's always been people like that, but it's it's become part of the conversation and how we and how we react to those sorts of people now is is a lot different to what it used to be. For so. sure, and it's it's something I definitely have to be aware of because I you know I'm sort of so like um, I think uh, Dr. Liz and uh, the Frisky Fairy coined the term like mega sexual, mm -hmm. where uh, the opposite of demisexual, where you like I need to know that there can be a sexual connection before I can really form um, much of an intimate relationship in person. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, I think that's the other thing that's it's easier online because I there's less, like I don't feel like my person is being invaded in a way yeah, that sure. I do with, with people that I meet in person. And I, yeah, I like I found with, um, with Flick's partner who lives here in town, um, we had been in a triad for a while, um, but she and I ended up deciding that that wasn't working for us over time. So, you know, we've just become like, we just have this great loving connected friendship, but, um, but I found that she would like look at me and I always felt like she was like staring into my soul <laughs> and I would just be like, stop that. <laughs> um, and so, like, I can feel really invaded by people when I meet them in person and as people try to get to know me and and sort of want pieces of me to be shared with them. Like, it, like I can feel really threatened and uncomfortable with that. Whereas online, when there's the distance, when there's not someone, like, looking into my eyes and stuff, mm -hmm. I'm able to, to let down those barriers in a way. Yeah, so that when we... You've got a little bit of a safety net there, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when we do meet in person, I've often let some of those barriers down in advance, and then I can actually let them get to know me in a way that, that yeah, I can't if we've 
if our getting to know time is really spent a lot in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so with you were in your GCR and your LDR, sorry, geographically close and long distance relationships at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, she and I en- ended up deciding because she, we when we talked about it, she was like, I think the reason, like, I think the long distance relationships actually work for you better. That like, I think that they work not despite the dif- the distance, but because of the distance. Mm-hmm. And so one of the the manifestations of a relationship that we tried when we were like attempting to stay kind of connected. Um, physically, sexually, uh, that sort of way that we sort of decided we'd kind of have a long distance relationship, but we just, she just lives in a suburb away. Um, right, right, right. So most of the contact was online and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Seeing each other and face so, to face so much. The weekly dates that, that had been part of our triad dynamic and all that stuff that just freaked the shit out of me and just had me feeling so stressed and, and boxed in and like just panicky we were able to let that go and just have a, oh, hey, you know, you're in town this weekend. Let's get together kind of approach to it as opposed to um, that kind of pressure. And and it did help. It, we, it still, we weren't right for each other, but it definitely did help in that way. Hmm. That's kind of cool that you were able to try and work through that. Obviously it didn't come out through the other end, but it was trying a basically an alternative way for it to work instead of just going, no, this isn't going to work, which is yeah. which is kind of lovely in this day and age where I feel a lot of people just go, no, not working, see ya. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's tough when you're doing a, a triad with, with the person that you're living with and yeah, have yeah. spent your entire adult life with that, you know, you are going to try a lot harder to try to get all of this to work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I I cared about her so much, but I also cared about him so much, and I really wanted to to make it work. And I really I blamed myself a lot for why it wasn't working. Just like I'm broken, I'm an ice queen, I'm this and that. Like as opposed to just being like, okay, this is just how I function. And it took me a long time to get to a place where I could be comfortable with the fact that this is how I work and that yeah. that's okay. Um, and that she worked a different way, and that was okay, but we just couldn't work together that mm. way. Um, and so the woman that I'm I'm dating now, um, who lives in in the city, we we just yeah, it's just very it we're quite close and and have a real ease in our in our relationship, but there's very few expectations of time. And she works shift work, so it means that she's not available a huge amount. And so when she is, like, we sort of have to schedule way in advance and and that kind of thing. But it means, like, it is quite intermittent, but we can chat whenever we want and send each other sexy pictures and, and stuff. But it's just... The, it, it's just so low low pressure that it just yeah. it feels really comfortable and wonderful. And it's, it's it sort of sounds like it's a mix of both. So you you you're close to each other, but you're still able to sort of keep it in that kind of comfortable long distance style of relationship. Yeah, and that just seems to work better for me. Yeah, and and that and that's what life's about, and especially love is finding what works for you and and then going for it from that point, right? Mm-hmm. 
Because you, you, you spend enough of your teens and your younger years throwing as much crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. Eventually, you've got to find out what, what does it for you. For sure. And I think that's the other thing about doing this, like becoming open in our 40s, is that we, you know, we got together when we were like 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had a huge amount of dating experience. I'd had a couple long-term boyfriends before I met him. Yeah. And he'd had a bit more um, of an adventurous life than I had. But like, I, I really didn't know all that much about myself and how I worked mm-hmm. until we started doing this. And so these weren't lessons I learned in those younger dating years. Like this was all stuff I had to learn like in my 40s. And, and it's, yeah, it's it's. It, it can really sort of shatter your sense of yourself to a certain extent um, to be trying to figure this shit out when you're at my age. <laughs> I actually thought you were a lot younger, so that's... that's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm turning 30 next year, and I'm absolutely terrified of it. <laughs> I found 29 harder than 30, I have to admit. No, 20, 29 but I'm turning... Not... I'm turning 46 next year, and that... Oh, I'm 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 having some feels about that one. <laughs> yeah, no, forty five was kind of scary, but forty six, like, uh. <laughs> but yeah. I'm living my best life. I'm having an awesome time, and so yeah, I really I really can't complain. And yeah, that's really all that matters. Um, I, I do want to ask though, you you became non monogamous. You said about four years ago, right? Yeah. How did that come? I always love this question because everybody has a different answer. Um, how did that come about? How did that conversation go? How did it get brought up? How did that happen? Yeah, it, it it's interesting because, like, really early in our marriage, we'd had a little bit of flexibility because, as I said, we got together when we were really young, and I. I was bisexual, but had never had an opportunity to have any experience with women. And so we uh, like had some flexibility and I was able to go and have some experiences with some women so that I could like know that that was a piece of me and have that fulfilled and and that was great. And then I did it a few times. I'm like, ah, cool. Um, And then we just, yeah, and but it wasn't, something I felt like I needed as such, but it was just good to sort of anchor that piece of me and be like, yeah, that is legitimately how I feel. This was super sexy and wonderful, but, uh, you know, this is the life we're building and that's great. Um, so yeah, you know, there had been a little bit of that, that flex in it. And then, probably about six months before we decided to open up, we just were really connecting in ways and we were having way more sex than we'd had in ages. I was writing a lot of dirty slash fiction mm-hmm. and I think I was just like ramped up all the time <laughs> and just feeling super sexy and just like writing about men's bodies was making me crave his body. And so we just, we just had gotten into this really great groove mm-hmm. and started thinking about what kind of adventures we could maybe have. Right. And we ended up going to see uh, Dan Savage, the yep. the Seattle-based, yeah. Um, and he, he was live um, doing a podcast here in town. And so we went to see him. Awesome. And hearing him say, like, that everyone wants to fuck other people just 
really clicked for me. And of course, as we were talking about asexuals and demisexuals, like not necessarily everyone wants to fuck other people, but the majority of people want to fuck other people. Yeah, and, and that really helped me to see that, that A, wanting to fuck other people wasn't a flaw that I had, and B, him wanting to fuck other people didn't mean that I was worthless. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think game. that that had been the, a big piece for me is just the insecurity and would have thought, well, you know, it's like I'm garbage and therefore he wants other people. Mm-hmm. And so that really flipped a switch for me. So we started talking about having adventures and and maybe having a threesome and, and all that kind of thing. And yeah, it just kind of spiraled from there. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was pretty comfortable, pretty, I, you know, probably, probably it was me that really brought it up more about like, maybe we should actually do this. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really felt like it kind of happened pretty organically that we were both just moving toward it. And we thought we'd maybe just go to like a sex club and like have sex in public. And even that was like, whoo, um, And then it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of went from there. We talked to a, a friend of ours who's bisexual and and just put it out there. We're like, hey, like, absolutely no pressure. And if it's a no, like, no problem at all. Um, but we think you're really cute and wanted to know if you wanted to have a threesome with us. And she was like, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> um, and so, it yeah. It just easy sort of, for everyone. I know. <laughs> and and we, we had this ridiculous time of having a few bisexual female friends who were just into it and we know that that's not everyone's experience and um and so yeah we we were incredibly fortunate in that way to be able to have that that step into it and and with a good friend who was close enough that we thought like if this really goes sideways um we won't be like destroying our like friendship circle you know um but you know, close enough that we just felt like comfortable and, and she was happy because she was not interested in relationships and all the just day-to-day bullshit of dealing with people and their needs, but, but liked that there were some people out there who wanted to have sex with her every now and then. And she could just do that with absolutely no strings attached. And it was, it was ideal for her as well. Sounds pretty ideal in general. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, no, we, we were just, yeah, so ridiculously fortunate. Yeah, oh. I'm just thinking about that now and just going, why, why does this stuff not happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> but but in saying that, I, I'm um, sleeping with somebody now that I'm not with, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's a new thing, so I'm excited about that, and that's great, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you you've got that NRE without the relationship without the relationship part of it. It's just a new, yeah, a new thing and that's um it, it, it was something that took ages to actually happen which is kind of funny and then it finally did and we've been like yeah this is sweet this is this is great because technically i'm single but non-monogamous and it's it's a strange thing for me to be going through that as well mm-hmm. but i go off topic i i do that a lot People, <laughs> pe- pe- people who listen to to me ramble on i go off topic so many times that it's not funny and i end up talking something completely different and then I've got to get out the fishing rod and reel myself back in and, and, and go again. Um, I think 
every conversation is just like tangent strung together really <laughs> yeah to be yeah I, I think you're absolutely right that's uh, i just seem to be somewhat adept at just slinging webs in between everything i'm kind of like spider-man of conversation <laughs> that's the way that i'll put it um so yeah it seemed like everything was really quite natural with you moving into into the non-monogamy side of it which is so so cool because i mean having a partner that's up for it is, is one thing but then actually navigating all of the feelings and stuff around that is a whole separate sort of thing which i think that's the most difficult part um for sure especially when it comes to and I don't like using this as a feeling, but um, jealousy. I don't believe jealousy is a feeling personally. I think it's a it's a amalgamation of a whole bunch of different feelings, and you've got to melt it down to find out which one you're actually feeling. But, um, yeah, having to know yourself and knowing how to deal with the emotions that are coming through in a positive way, I think, is one of the one of the really difficult things. Did you find that challenging at all, or was that sort of natural in the process as well? Yeah, it was it was an interesting mix of the two because I think again, you know, coming into it with a with a relationship that was so long term, we just really had a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that that if things went wrong, we we really had already been through like two decades of, you know, all kinds of shit. So it really you know, what just wasn't going to rock us in the way that it might with a newer relationship. And so just having that really stable base freed us to be, um, you know, more exploratory and, and step into things. It also meant that we like stepped on a lot of rakes that hit us in the face. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were able to recover from that and support each other through that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, definitely we, we've always looked at, uh, jealous feelings as as being a signpost of you know a need that's not being met basically yeah. or or several needs not being met. It's like okay, I'm having these I'm having these feelings. Like what what is it telling me? Yeah, um, exactly. And so what I found like the sexual part of it, I was just like all over it, like just compersion out the wahoo. Like it just. I, I loved the idea of him with other people. I loved seeing him with other people. I loved like setting up our our sort of downstairs suite for um, his dates, like all of that kind of thing. Like I just, I loved that zing. And it wasn't until there were, I sort of saw some of the more emotional connections and some of that intimacy that was building that those are the moments that really nailed me with the jealous feels and with, like figuring out like oh like what it, like what does this mean for me and why am I feeling so threatened and and that kind of thing um, in those moments and it took you know it took a lot of of thinking and a lot of talking about it and you know we had the freedom to talk about stuff in a way that sometimes yeah people aren't always comfortable hearing and mm-hmm. and just knowing that you know it didn't mean he was doing anything wrong and it didn't mean anything even had to change. It was just like, this is what I feel, mm-hmm. um, helped us move through a lot of that in a more comfortable way. And the same with when, you know, he was having that kind of thing about, about what I was experiencing. Like we just, we felt free to express it. 
Yeah. And the other person didn't feel attacked or defensive or any of that. Like we were able to just be like quite objective about it. <laughs> and I think both of him, both he and I have like quite a lot of that sort of emotional intelligence thing where we can be very objective about our feelings, even yeah. when we're in the midst of feeling the shit out of them. Mm -hmm. um, we can kind of step back and be like, huh, what does this mean? Um, yeah. So it, it allowed us to work through a lot of that. And an important part of that that I that I want to touch on just just quickly is the fact that you had a solid base there, and I think that I think that's hugely important. I think a lot of people who maybe have just come into into opening up their relationship and things like that, um, they believe that another person is going to help them fix the relationship that they're in. Oh yeah. And, and I believe that that's incredibly dangerous. It's more than likely going to make it worse. Try, you need to try and have that solid base within your current relationship before bringing somebody else into it and potentially ruining both, I guess. For sure. Absolutely. Like, because, you know, this shit is hard. Like, this is relationships on hard mode. And I mean, monogamy is hard. So oh, yeah. it's not like monogamous is is easy and and having a long term marriage is is not an easy thing by any means. Um, but but yeah, this stuff is really difficult, and it if you're not in a place where you can you can be in it, like working together um, in a team of whether like however many people are in that team, it's not gonna work. Nope. 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 <laughs> um, but I think yeah, that a lot a lot of people have that misconception around it though, and mm -hmm. hopefully. Um, so uh, people are going through to munches or, or whatever they we have a poly meet up here every three months and they I'm hoping more and more people who get into this sort of lifestyle are understanding that mm -hmm. I really really hope they are <laughs> otherwise it can get messy and you end up cleaning it up for them and it's, mm -hmm. and that's not a fun thing to do either um, just we're, we're almost getting to the end of our hour that's gone really quite quickly um which is which is awesome so i've got a couple of final questions um sure. just for us to finish off when you're in a, a long distance relationship we'll go, we'll go on full circle and go back into <laughs> into the relationship side of it instead of just poly um what works for you and what doesn't this is going to be basically a summation of what we've talked about really but um yeah in in that uh, concept no diagram no in that relationship what works and what doesn't well what really works for me is uh you know the the text-based communication <laughs> i really like that and i like being able to to check in all the time and you know send each other messages during the work day and and i found that i could really feel very connected to someone through mm -hmm. regular communication in that way um that can also fall in fall into the what doesn't work thing is if you know your partner is going through a depressive episode and and isn't feeling like chatting um that means that you know that the only touchstones you have are gone and you're you're kind of flailing without being able to like get together physically and see how each other's doing or like you know pet their head in your lap while they just are are you know, in a depressive episode and they can't talk, like mm -hmm. you can have that, 
that connection when you're when you're apart from each other um that that's just not an option so that is really difficult um and the yeah the pressure on those times where you do get together just that like okay this has to work and it has to be amazing and everyone has to just be feeling great and and ready to go and just be like on their sexiest behavior (laughs) you know when we don't necessarily feel it you know I had a bad bout of vertigo when uh, my partner from Chicago was here and I'm like I'm doing all this shit anyway (laughs) even though I was like constantly having to like hold on to the bed because I thought I was going to fall off the earth but like we had a day and so that's what we had and so I had to just like there's a lot of just sucking it up and going with it Um, so you know yeah it puts a lot of pressure on those times you do get together Um, but yeah I think those those for me are are like were the biggest parts the other thing is I am I'm very tactile I'm very physical and so not being able to like touch that person you know is is tricky for me and so when we do get together I just kind of want to spider monkey around them the entire time (laughs) um because it's just like I'm so starved for your touch but thankfully I can get you know a lot of my touch needs met um through my other relationships but you know there's I want to touch you um which can be really hard for sure for sure um and and one final one it's a similar sort of question but it yeah, has a has a wee bit of differences, and we've talked about the physicality side of it quite a bit just now. But the differences between your long distance relationship and your geographically close relationships, what are some of the differences that you've found, and and how have you worked through them? Because obviously you've been with uh, one partner for twenty plus years, and these new ones are coming through, and it's obviously not going to be the same sort of way that you work through everything so what are some of the differences that you've found or some of the similarities yeah I've found that I I feel so secure with with my long-term partner flick that I'm I'm much more likely to express needs that aren't being met and you know fight um, and do those sorts of things. Whereas in my long distance and the newer relationships, I'm much more likely to, to just kind of try to make everything work even when I'm not happy. And so I switch into a, a bit of a pleaser mode because I just, you know, we get so little together that like I want all of that time that we that we are chatting or if we're in the physical space or whatever like I want that to be good and so I can I can just squash a lot of my needs in a in a pretty unhealthy way uh in those relationships and that was definitely part of why one of them ended up you know crumbling was was because I I wasn't getting my needs met and I wasn't really expressing that and it just it was sort of building into a bit of a crisis yeah and um so yeah that is it that's definitely a lot more difficult with me in those relationships and so I I don't I don't find that I'm confident enough to do those those real self-care things of expressing myself in a way and I'm hoping that I'm learning from this <laughs> and will get better at it um, from having fucked it up like I'm like failing ever upward kind of thing but uh, yeah that's definitely the thing that that came up the most is just 
just not having that really stable foundation, there feels like way more risk in saying like, hey, that's not cool. Um, because I feel like the other person's going to be like, all right, see ya. Yeah. And, and I guess people don't put too much stock in a relationship that's only been going, or not even going, but that's sort of been around for only a couple of weeks. So that makes, mm-hmm. a, that, that makes a lot more sense as opposed to the multi-year relationship that you have on the other, on the other side. Yeah. Um, I do have one more question. Um, Sure. So, for for people that are navigating through what is now a really quite a digital world where you've got dating apps, you've got most people going through those dating apps and dating websites and things to meet people. Um, what's some advice that you'd give somebody who's just coming into this realm? Oh, wow, that's a biggie. Um, yeah. Because my big one is obviously the, the safety side, which we haven't really talked about no, uh, yeah. too much. People aren't always who they say they are a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's very true, and that's why, you know, I didn't, like, fly off to Chicago on my own yeah. <laughs> to meet him in a hotel room kind of thing. Like, there was a very different kind of situation. But, um, but yeah, I, I think we – I think overall people talk about safety in this sort of thing, like more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously you want to be sensible about the safety concerns. Um, but I think, I think really expressing your needs is the really important thing to do. Like be clear about what kind of communication you want to have, like how often you want to talk. Um, do you want like good morning, good night every night? Um, or like, do you want those every day? Um, or is it just, uh, like start a conversation at midday, kind of like where you left off the previous day kind of thing? Like, what are your needs? What are your expectations? Because I think we often just think that people are going to work the way we do. Mm. And that's just not the case. And, And unless you tell people what you need, they can't give it to you. Or, or they can't say that, no, they like are incapable of giving that to you. And perhaps you should maybe move on to other people. And the earlier you can do that sort of thing before you're so emotionally invested in something that is going to eventually crash and burn, um, the better. Mm, absolutely. And, the, you know, and. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, and like, no know what it means to you when you're in NRE, like understand how you function, function in that new relationship energy, like infatuated, like chemical soup, wee kind of thing, like know how you are in that kind of situation so that you can make the best decisions you can. Mm, absolutely. absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. And and that's knowing a lot about yourself as well, which a lot of people don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it is hugely important if you want it to, to succeed or go anywhere, I think. Um, otherwise, it's just yeah, in for what can be uh, a, a decent amount of effort and, for lack of a better term, trouble as well, if you don't do that sort of grunt work before you, before you move into something. Yeah. But that's just me. So, um, yeah, cool. No, that that was awesome. Um, thank you so so much for for coming on and 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 
and talking with me. It's been super interesting, and it's it's great to talk to somebody else with a different point of view as well. Because, um, like I said, I've had my own online and long distance relationships, um, and it's and it's been sort of some of them I, I'd never met, which you know it happens sometimes, right? It's yeah, it's just one of those things. But you've also got the type where you start together and then move apart. I've had those as well. Um, but I think it's really interesting having that sort of distance there and having, um, for lack of a better term, your nesting partner there as well. I think that was really, really cool to, to hear about and, and to talk about. So thank you so much. Oh, I re really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on. No worries at all. I'll, I'll have to have you back on at some point. Um, sure. ju just before we go, um, where can people find you? Where can they find the podcast? Where can they find the book? All that sort of stuff. Plug yourself. Okay. Um, yeah, my book, Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut. Uh, it's available on Amazon or any of the places that you get ebooks. You can get the paperback from Amazon, but you can get the, the ebook in sort of any different format that you want from the places you get that kind of thing. Um, the audiobook version should be available very soon um, on Audible. And um, so, yeah, I'm super excited about that. That was a fuck ton of work, and I <laughs> never want to edit any audio again. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other place is onthewetcoast.com is our website. That's where my blog is, toy reviews. Um, our podcasts are also there. Um, and the podcast on the wet coast is available through any of the the typical podcast podcast places um if you're searching on like apple podcasts or anything put wet coast as one word um just because random annoying computery things um yep. but uh but yeah and i'm on twitter uh at wet coast cat and that's cat with k and I like, yeah, I tweet a lot. So if you enjoy a lot of that kind of shenanigans, I'm on there. And uh, yeah, I think that's the main bit of all that. Awesome. So yeah, guys, uh, those who are listening, do go and check those out. Do uh, get onto the book. I'll be getting onto the book as soon as it comes out on, on the audio. Um, really, really looking forward to it. And it's been a really, really fun chat. So Again, I'm going to keep thanking you and keep thanking you, and it'll just <laughs> end up on this giant loop, and we'll be here for another two hours. But oh no, you get like with the Canadian, and I'll be like, oh, thank you, but and then you'll be like, no, but thank you, and then we'll start apologizing, and it's just, it's all going to go to hell. Yeah, it's all about that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it, it's been great. So, yeah. One last time, thank you very much. Thank you. the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Yeah. <laughs>
it's here that I must be. My heart entreats, just hear those savage beats, and go put on your cleats, and come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany, that's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire, it's aflame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love. Every time I hear drums, and I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart. Take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder. Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre. Tango.